What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, mindset, manifestation, and entrepreneurship. Today, I am sharing all about my entrepreneurial journey because I am currently enrolling for one-on-one coaching right now, and the most common scenario that I'm getting is people that either want to make a big career change or they have, and now they feel very overwhelmed with what that big vision is and they get stuck on what the next steps are. So they keep doing really small things to try and move forward or they just feel paralyzed. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast about this because I can relate so, so much. I started my business just last year in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic when I had no job, like literally desperate for money. And so I was like, you know what? I think this is actually the perfect time to share more. So I actually have done a podcast too about how I got into mindset coaching. It's literally called My Journey to Mindset Coaching. So check out that episode if you want to learn more about specifically where the idea came from and and how I started like trying to cultivate my own path. But this one specifically, I want to give you both practical steps as well as the energy and mindset behind how I started my business because you do need both. It doesn't matter if you have all the strategy in the world if your energy and your belief system and the way you think about your business is off, it's never going to transfer into a prosperous business. And on the flip side of that, it you can have all the energy in the world, but if you don't know like you know how to run a business or delegate or have systems, it can also be really hard to prosper. So I am still learning, by the way, like I said, my business is not even one year old, but I am someone that I... I'm pretty fearless. I take really big risks. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know that. I moved abroad with my boyfriend after two weeks of knowing him. I started my business and went all the way in, in the middle of living in Australia during a pandemic with like no savings. Um, So yeah, I'm a really big risk taker. So I know what it feels like to be in your shoes. And I think because I'm a big risk taker, I've made a lot of mistakes quickly and learned from them. And so I want to share them with you to either help you navigate and it's not to help you, it's not to push you into doing something that you don't want to do. It's so that you can listen and, and see if it works for you or if it doesn't work for you. And, and maybe you can learn from this. So I'm going to just jump right in. So I talked about how I started my business um, in that mindset coaching episode, but I'll do a quick recap. I was supposed to start a job in Australia to get a second visa. So I had spent all my money, which was not a lot, on flying out to this specific job during the pandemic. This is right when the news was starting to hit about it, and we didn't know how serious it was going to be. And I didn't think it was that serious, especially the town I was moving to was really small. So I moved there, I get there, and they're like, this job isn't happening. So you can literally stay here and, you know, you can nanny for us while we figure things out. We think it'll only be like two or three weeks, or you can try and fly back to Sydney, which is where I was living. And I was like, you know what? I just spent like all my money to get over here and nannying doesn't sound that bad. Like whatever, I'll watch these kids. They lived in a really, really nice home. I mean, it was like a mansion and it was in a nice little beach town. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I'll do this for like three weeks and then start a new job. By the way, the job I was supposed to start was at a restaurant. And the job I was coming from was I had three jobs in Sydney. I was working as a gelato shop shift manager. My second job was doing social media for a music agency like two days a week. And then I was also doing one day a week at a yoga studio doing their influencer marketing. 
So that's important to note that I wasn't coming from some big title, high salary job. I was doing three random hospitality jobs. Now, before that, I was in corporate America working in influencer marketing. I was a sales rep for a software company that housed influencers and helped match content creators to brands. So I had the background of corporate America and my background from college, I went to Florida State and I got my uh, minor my minor in psychology, my major in broadcast journalism, and then I went to Loyola, Loyola Chicago and got my master's in digital media and storytelling, which is why I love storytelling on this podcast so much. So that's just to give you a background of like where I was coming from before my business started. So I get to uh, the nanny job. And there was actually another nanny there. So we were splitting responsibilities. So I had like half the week off where I didn't have to do anything. I'm talking like three or four days. Now, obviously in the beginning, coming from working three jobs and doing nothing, I was like, woohoo, vacation. I'm going to chill the fuck out. I'm not going to do anything. I am going to just like work on my fitness and chill and go outside and swim. And that was fun for like two weeks. I am someone that is like very stimulated by doing a bunch of different things at once. I have a lot of like manifesting generator energy at times, but I'm a reflector in human design if if anybody knows what that is. Um, so a lot of people think I'm a manifesting generator and I'm like, no, I think I just have a lot of manifesting generator friends and I like take on that energy. And at this point I was friends with a lot of entrepreneurs and so just sitting at home, like watching Netflix and catching up on shows got really old after two weeks. So then we started hearing how the pandemic was getting worse. And then it started to kind of creep in like, wait, this is a global thing. Like, I don't think this is just going to go away. How the hell am I going to make money? Because I was doing this nanny job for accommodation. So they were not paying me in like physical cash or bills or checks or anything. I was being paid to watch their kids in in exchange for living there so I didn't have to pay for rent. And I think it's really important to add this context. And I'm going to be very transparent about like my money situation, how I got clients, how I generated income and all this stuff, because there's nothing that pisses me off more than when people are like, I'm going to share my whole story about how I had $5 in my bank account and now I make 10K months. And then they're like, it was just hard work and dedication and mindset. I'm like, okay, but what did you actually do? Like, how did you go from having $5 to starting a business? That doesn't make sense. So I'm very open and transparent and I think it's easy to do on a podcast. So I will share all this stuff. And that's why I do think it's important to share that I had no bills in terms of rent. I did have to pay at times for groceries and the parents of the house did help us out sometimes, but I was living off of what I had left from my other jobs, which was truly not a lot. I'm talking like less than $500 and my credit card. So just want to add that as well. So sitting there bored, realizing this pandemic is getting worse and worse. And I was like, you know what? I don't know that we're going to get out of this anytime soon. And the other nanny and I were kind of freaking out. So we're like, let's look up flights home. We got to get out of here. Flights were $10,000 home. Okay. $10,000. Uh, my credit card would not allow me to do that. My, I didn't have that type of money in the bank. My parents were definitely not going to pay for that. And we just thought, okay, let's ride this pandemic out and, and see what happens. Again, not realizing that we'd still be here a year later. I decided I need to do something to make money. Like I cannot just sit here and live 
off of barely like I don't even know I was making nothing so I was like it, the concept of generating my own income came from my back being against the wall it was almost like be careful what you wish for because there was a time when I was in Australia and I was so motivated hanging out with all these entrepreneurs and go-getters and hustlers and I was like, wow, if I just had the time, the space, I didn't have any bills, then I could really start my own business. And that's what happened. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to happen that way. But like I had the space. I only worked like three or four days a week. I had the time because I had those days off to work on it. I didn't have any bills except the groceries, which even the other nanny and I would split it. And sometimes the parents would help us out. So I wasn't really paying for anything and my phone bill was cheap. It was like 10 or 20 bucks. So I like to add that context too, because I think there's this misconception that like I had all this money in the bank or um, I don't know that I like came from money and people helped me out or I mean, maybe I'm totally making this up too. I don't know what people think, but I used to think that like when people started businesses, oh, they just like have a ton of money in the bank and they're getting funding and all these things, not realizing that a lot of people start a business out of their back being against the wall or being desperate to like make money. And so I immediately started thinking of ways that I could monetize my skills. So that's why I wanted to add that context too of what I did for background is that in college, I wanted to be a sports reporter. So I have a, a degree in that broadcast journalism field, which is why I like interviewing and podcasting. Like I'm very comfortable doing that. And then my master's being in digital media and storytelling, I learned a lot in that program. I mean, graphic design, writing, video, podcasting, all this stuff. I mean, it literally is what it sounds like, storytelling through a bunch of mediums. And then working in influencer and content marketing, obviously my job was to evaluate influencers. So working in the content industry was something I did for like six years. So I sat down and I'm like, okay, what way could I make money off these things? And then I started thinking about recent skills that I had acquired in Australia, which was social media management for that music agency. I also did the um, influencer marketing for the yoga studio and what was the other thing? Oh, yoga. <laughs> so I had my yoga certification from Bali. Now, this is the time during the pandemic, if you all saw this, when everything, all the studios closed. So all these fitness instructors started going live and they would go live and like leave their Venmo handle or PayPal and people would start paying them like five or 10 bucks. And then they would do a live stream and all these people would start paying them money. And I was like, that's a really smart way to generate money because people can't go to the studios right now. They want to feel community. They want to work out with someone that they know, and then they're getting paid whatever they want. Like some people were saying, you know, it would be appreciated if you could send $20. Some people were saying, just pay what you can. I was like, that's really smart. I'm going to do that. So I didn't have a, I don't have a huge following. I mean, I have over 2000 followers, which yes, like to my small town, you know, hometown friends, that might be a lot, but like in the influencer world, that's like a very small following. So I didn't really feel comfortable just going live and like putting my Venmo handle up, but I was thinking, okay, wait, I could do Zoom classes and just teach yoga and have people like send me money um, on PayPal or Venmo. Now, this is where I like to get like nitty gritty with the details because a, a lot of people, including myself, would freeze at this moment. Like, wait, how am I going to get people to pay me? Are people allowed to pay me? What should I charge? Where are these rates going to come from? Like, how am I going to 
sustain this? Do I have money to cover my business expenses? Now, that's what I call getting on the what if train, where you turn everything into a what if. What if all these things happen? And that's when I started realizing the importance of baby steps. I mean, you guys have heard me now on a few podcasts and my Instagram talk about baby steps because it's so true. Like if something feels like an overwhelming task, your nervous system is like, that's a threat. We're not going to do it. So I had to teach myself like you cannot jump ahead and think that this yoga thing is going to be like your life's work. Like I, I knew if I let myself go down that path, I would go absolutely nuts and like try to start a whole yoga movement studio. I don't even know. Right. I was like, Chelsea, you cannot do that. Like you have to do one zoom class at a time. Now at this time too, in order to do a zoom that was over 40 minutes, you had to pay like $15 for zoom pro. And I had such little money in the bank that I'm not kidding. I was freaking out about how I would cover that $15. I'm not like, I really can't make this up. I was like, am I really going to find someone that's going to pay me $15 for a yoga class to cover that expense? And will I profit off of this? And I think it's important to note that too, because like, that's where my mindset was. I was like, how am I going to do that? So I just decided, let me start my classes out at $15. If I hear people push back on it, then I'll change the pricing. If it goes well, I'll keep it. And then I'll just figure it out from there. At this point, I was using Zoom Pro again, like $15, I think. And this amazing app that I really love called Calendly. Now, Calendly is a scheduling system. If anybody uses it, you're probably like clapping right now because it's amazing. And if you don't use it, I recommend it because it just saves so much time going back and forth with people. Now, you can also set up payment on there. So you have to sign up for a payment processor like Stripe or PayPal or whatever payment processing company. And again, this is where people get tripped up. They're like, oh my God, I, I, I don't know if that's allowed. I don't know if I should do that. Can I collect payment? I, this is going to be too hard. I don't have a, a business number and da, 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 da. And this is when I think it's important to start using your resources and looking into business in your state or country. And I want to add that right now. Like my business is an LLC filed in Florida. So if you're someone that's listening to this in Europe or Australia or Bali, like you might be starting a business under totally different circumstances. Now for me, I know in Florida, you there are so many different things that come with like your income taxes and and reporting how much um like when to even file an LLC. Like there's all these things that come into play. So for me, I was like, okay, I might get like five clients. I don't think I need to be worried about like reporting that to the IRS. Again, I'm not a like tax accountant or lawyer or anything. But for me, I was like, I'm assuming making like a hundred bucks from doing yoga classes is like a donation class and I'm just going to see what happens. So I set up a payment processor with PayPal and Stripe. Again, just went to the website, signed up and then linked it up to Calendly and got the link. And then I just started messaging people like, hey, I know it's a pandemic. Um, I would love to offer you this yoga class for $15. It's going to be on Zoom. Check it out. And I just started with my network. Now, I think this is really important is like you need to tap into your network and think instead of thinking like I'm just going to start from square one with zero following or audience and engagement. And I truly mean my network. Like I was messaging my family members, like my aunt, my cousins, my old college friends, my sorority sisters, my old coworkers, like 
anybody I could think of that I had a relationship with, I was messaging them. And again, a lot of this came from like scarcity and desperation. Like my back was against the wall and I was like, I need to make money. So I didn't really have shame. And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, what if someone says this and I'm going to DM them, they're going to think it's so crazy. And I'm like, I just couldn't let that affect me because I knew that like that just wasn't a part of the equation. I was like, if someone thinks it's annoying, then they won't respond or they'll just be like, oh no, thanks. And I'll just move on. I also think a lot of this comes from I did have the podcast already, so I'm not new to rejection. Like, you know what I mean? I've had podcast guests say no. I've my uh, critique program in broadcast journalism and my master's was like pretty harsh. Like, we had people look at our videos in front of a whole class and be critiqued, like, that story doesn't make sense, or why did you choose that shot, or the audio was pretty bad, or whatever the case is. So, that whole fear of like, what if someone says this, or what if they think it's annoying? I'm like, I- I'm not really, that's not gonna be affecting me. So, I had no shame around messaging people. And then I got a little strategic about it. I was like, oh, wait, I could teach yoga classes in groups. So, let me like today message all my sorority sisters and we'll do like a theta class. So, I was a Kappa Alpha Theta at Florida State for anybody that was a theta. Um, And then I was like, oh, let me message all the people I studied abroad with. We can do a study abroad yoga class. And it kind of took off. Like, I mean, it didn't blow up, right? I didn't become like, that wasn't my life's purpose. But I was making like enough money to be like, oh, okay, this is actually a thing people are interested in. I think I made like $500 one month and then $700 the next month. So I was generating enough where I felt like, okay, I'm not like desperate anymore. And being an entrepreneur and having a lot of impulsive ideas, I was like, oh my gosh, I just had two successful months and I'm ready to take this thing to the next level. And there's a level of like naivete, I think is the word I'm looking for, of like being naive and like kind of blind, like what could happen that serves me well in entrepreneurship where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try everything. And if I don't like it, I don't like it and I'll figure it out. So I was doing Melissa Wood health workouts at this time. And I was also doing another online studio workout. And I was like, oh my God, I need to have an online studio. Like, look, I already have like 40 or 50 people coming to me. And by the way, remember, I got all these clients from straight up DMing them with my Calendly link and being strategic saying, hey, here's the group that's going to come on Thursday's class. I would love to see you there. Here's the link. So that's how I generated those clients and how I made that income. Now, when the idea for this like bigger platform came up, I really took it seriously. Like I was emailing Melissa Woodhouse's team to see what platform she used. I was emailing Vimeo trying to set up sales calls and see like how their platform worked. I was recording all my Zoom videos to try to turn into like packages to sell. Um, and then I even had the idea to just record yoga videos. So the, I told you guys I was in a mansion. So they have like nice rooms and nice places to film. And they had this really nice space where I was like, this is it. This is where I'm going to be recording all the videos. And I'm going to have like a whole library of content. And I had a podcast editor that edit, that edits videos. And I was like, yes, I this is going to take off. Like I just figured it out. And my whole angle was going to be like millennial lazy girl yoga, like yoga after being jet lagged, hangover yoga, like really fun, cheeky yoga flows. And 
I thought this was genius. So I took it so seriously. Like I'm telling you, I was booking calls, emailing people, making connections. I even shot the videos for my yoga video, like my yoga. I don't even know what I was thinking I was shooting, but like I was shooting yoga flows and actually like dressing up and doing cute ponytails and wearing cute sets and sending them to my editor to edit. And I'm like, okay, I just need at least three videos to start. And then this platform will start building itself and I'll record a new video every week and just keep adding to it. Kept doing this. Um, by the way, I earlier in the year, I wanted to teach private yoga. So I already had branding for it. Like I already had a website, I already had a logo. So I was like, oh, this is so perfect. Everything's coming together. I'm going to be like the young millennial Melissa Wood Health yoga style girl. And this was my idea for like most of May and June. And then um, I'm trying to think of like how this transpired. I started noticing, oh, I started getting some private clients too. So people would take my classes and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I would love to work with you privately. And obviously when you work privately with someone one-on-one, you can make a little bit more money. So then the whole idea of like, wait, I can work with less people and charge more and make more money and not have to like burn my body and my mind out from teaching all these smaller classes. That seems like a better route. So I started focusing on one-on-one clients instead of teaching group classes because also like, I don't know, I'm not a huge yogi. I know I have the brand and I have my yoga certification, but like doing yoga and teaching it all the time was kind of strenuous on my body. And maybe I just need to work on my flexibility and my poses. But I was like, yeah, I actually would rather work with one-on-one clients. So my very first one-on-one client I think we did a meditation session and I charged them like $40 for an hour. And I love giving prices so you guys can understand like how I was able to scale my prices and just test what worked out. So I charged them 40 bucks for 30 minutes or an hour or something like that. And then I charged another one-on-one client for an hour, maybe like 45 or $50. And I thought that was like really big money. Like I was scared to charge that. I remember calling my mom and like texting people being like, is this a lot of money? Like, you know, it's a pandemic. People aren't really making money. I'm kind of freaking out that I'm charging too much. And what I had to come back to was some people did lose their jobs. Yes. But I was making a lot of assumptions about people's financial situations. So some people just worked from home and were actually saving more money because now they didn't have a morning commute. They weren't eating lunch and dinner out. They weren't, you know, socializing on the weekends. So a lot of people were saving money and like wanted to circulate that money. And a lot of people were working on their mental health and body during this time because we were stuck inside. So that was one of the biggest things I learned was like, I need to stop making assumptions about people's financial situations because people were happily paying me my prices. People were happy to work with me one-on-one. And I started to quickly notice, this is kind of a good business tip, when someone says you're like so cheap or affordable, you need to raise your prices. So when I would tell someone like, oh yeah, my one-on-one is $40 or an hour with me is $40 or $50, and people being like, wow, what? That's so cheap. Okay, cool. I'll sign up. I was like, oh wait, that doesn't really feel good. Like I don't want to be like the cheap yoga instructor. I want to be honored for my work. And I also started realizing a skill that I had was meditation. So when I would do these yoga classes in the beginning and end, I would always end with a guided meditation and people would message me after and be like, wow, that was so moving. Like I was crying. I, I haven't felt that in a long time. And I was like, okay, I need to kind of like hang on to that and see what's going on there. So I'm now at a place where I think I'm going to like launch an app. I, 
like I'm laughing because this is so funny to see how this has all transpired. But I emailed a PR agency that was charging literally like, I don't even remember, like $6,000 to help with PR. And I didn't hire them, obviously, or else you guys would see me in the news about yoga. But like, this is how seriously I was taking it. Like, I was like, this is not a joke. Like, I want the help. I want to get an assistant. I want to get a website. Like, this is going to be the real deal. Now, here's where like the mindset and, and intuition part comes in is that even though I was doing this all, like nothing felt exciting. Like I was excited originally about the idea, but the more and more I talked about it out loud, I was like, wait, I don't know that I really want to be doing this in like six months to even a year. And this is going to be a lot of money to set up for not wanting to do it in six months. And then it just started to feel like a chore, like, oh God, I got to do another yoga flow. And oh, I have that one client. And I was like, this is kind of draining my energy. And it, this is like the part of entrepreneurship a lot of people don't talk about is like this weird thing about not wanting to give up, but also knowing it's not right for you, where you feel guilty about changing your mind. Like I felt guilty. I had started a whole Facebook group that was about yoga. I had uh, literally like done podcasts where that's what I was promoting myself on. Like I would be like, find me at my yoga website, book me on a yoga class. And so to all of a sudden be like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. I was like, this feels weird. Like, am I letting people down? Are people going to be disappointed? And I learned a lesson really quickly. Like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And I could have made a lot of money from it. I probably could have launched the app. I probably could have done all these things. But like every part of me was just, the only part that wanted me to keep going was that I loved the validation of hearing that the meditation and yoga was helping people and people that had never really moved their bodies in that way before were finding it really helpful. That's kind of what kept me like hanging by a thread. But everything else, I was like, oh, no, like even my editor was like, hey, like we had this whole editing project going, like what happened? I'm ready to add the logo. Can you send the files? And I just kept procrastinating and pushing it off. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is just not for me. So then I was in this weird place where I was like, okay, wait, I like need to make money still. And I had now gotten a taste of what it was like to reach out to clients, like, you know, generate an income, market myself, and by the way, when I was all in on this yoga idea, I was coming up with all these fun content ideas. Like I would go outside on the patio and shoot videos about anatomy and philosophy and breath work and post it on my page as like an IGTV or a meditation. Like if you guys scroll back on my Instagram, you'll find some of this stuff. It's like very much still active where I was promoting all these yoga classes um, and I had an idea to do like group packages and some people were buying like three classes at a time. My whole my whole Facebook group was about yoga. And I had even done a course on like launching a yoga course. And I think this is where the transition happened. So as I'm like preparing to launch this yoga course, because I was like, oh, that's actually a good idea. Like I could teach beginners because I really felt like that's where I align most. I'm not like, you know, doing handstands and stuff. I was like, I could teach beginners how to do yoga through a course. So I signed up for this course on how to launch a course. And by the way, when people are like, where the fuck did you get the money? Like you said you had no money. First of all, in Australia, you were allowed to take out your retirement account without any penalty. So the whole time that I had worked in Australia, I had a, like, I don't know, maybe one or $2,000 in that account. 
and I could take it out with no penalty. And I only had like two months left on my visa. So I was like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to take it out. I'm not making any money outside of these yoga classes. And then I got my tax return and there was something else. Oh, the first round of stimulus checks came in. And then of course the yoga money that I was making. So that actually added up really quick where I, all of a sudden I had like four or $5,000. So when people are like, oh, well, how did you like afford Calendly or whatever? Like, how did you afford an editor or things like that? I am not kidding. I took it so seriously that like I wasn't the only thing I was paying for personally was groceries and my phone. So if I made money, like let's say I made $300 from teaching yoga, I would immediately put that back and like hire a graphic designer or bring my editor on from our projects or whatever the case was. And then I would save a little bit to like eat, but I wasn't shopping. I wasn't like buying new clothes. I wasn't going crazy. I was like, I'm putting this right back into the business. Now, another thing I totally just thought of before I move on to the transition period was I was so, so grateful for every single payment. Like I remember when someone, this was like my first three payments when I got $15. Okay. So a total of $45 sent to me on Venmo. And I thought I had just made like $10,000. I remember I screenshotted it and I sent it to my family and I was like, Oh my God, people are paying me. I'm like, look, I made $45 from this class. Because you have to remember, I wasn't making any income from nannying. So to have $45, it just helped me build that confidence like, wow, people will pay me for my skills and my energy and what I'm teaching. And just that little bit can build a lot of confidence. So my advice for like budding entrepreneurs is stay grateful because when you are grounded in that gratitude, it just grows. Like then all of a sudden I would make a hundred dollars and then it would be like $300. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is real. Like this is building. And it also taught me like, yeah, you can make money pretty quickly. So you better have a plan for how to like spend it. I mean, a money management system in a second, but I noticed there was a part of me that was like, oh, I just want to use this money and, you know, go buy cute leggings or go to the store and get like, I don't know, a bunch of skincare products. But then I started switching to this entrepreneur mindset that you always hear of like, put your money back into the business. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like, I want to grow my business. I have to put this money right back into it. And I'm going to obviously save for food and things like that, but I'm not going to like be shopping and doing all these other things. So I start making money from that. I start being so grateful. And then I decide, you know, this isn't actually what I want to be doing. And during the course that I was taking on how to launch a yoga course, I was trying to put it together. I'm like, wait a second. Everything I'm writing out is more like mindset stuff. It has nothing to do with yoga. It's like journaling, meditating, breathing, which of course are parts of yoga, but I meant physical yoga, like the asana postures. And I was like, I could do a whole course on like mindset stuff because this is what I've been practicing. Like this is what I've been doing during the pandemic. This is what I've done in my year in Australia. By the way, everyone thinks, oh, when you move abroad, it's just like easy breezy. Australia was one of my hardest years. Like not only personally, but like the bushfires happened when I was there. COVID happened when I was there. My dad had a stroke when I was there. My grandfather died when I was there. I went through a breakup when I was there. I lost like all my money. So like it wasn't like an easy breezy bouncing around year. And that was something that um, during the pandemic and like during all this stuff happening, I was like, wow, I, I was able to sustain all that because of my mindset. And I was able to move through that because of what I had been learning and practicing. 
So as I started putting this yoga course together, I was like, this isn't really a yoga course. This is like a mindset course. And then one day I was sitting outside journaling. I had gotten in a really good habit mentally and health wise when I was in the mansion. <laughs> I like to just call it the like nanny mansion um, where I was juicing in the morning. I was eating fruit bowls. I was, I talked about this with the podcast on Kenzie Burke, but we were in touch at this point and she was super helpful and like giving me business ideas. And my other friend who's an entrepreneur was giving me business ideas. And then that other friend was like, wait, we should do a mastermind because there's a few other girls that are trying to start a business. So then every week, me and these four other girls, like one had an e-com swimwear line, one has a website and graphic design company, one is a sensuality mentor, and one is like a nutritionist. We would meet every week and help each other with ideas. And again, mine was starting out yoga, but as this course started developing, I just had this knowing of like, this is not going to be a yoga course. So I had a support system too. I think that's really important when you're going through any entrepreneurship journey or a new business venture, like, or anything really have a support system, but of like-minded people, right? Like it was so helpful to have all these women around me who were in the same boat versus trying to talk to like my friends from my hometown about it or my parents or people from college that like were not on the same page. It's that whole concept of like, don't ask people for directions to places they've never been. So I think it was so nice to have that like mastermind of women that were going through the same thing and they would help me bounce off ideas and like the little things, right? When I'm like, I don't know how to set up this on my website or how do I create a checkout page or, you know, what is like this do? It's like, oh, use the resources around you. And I'm going to talk about resourcefulness in a second, but I really found that so helpful to have these women in my corner. Now I was talking about how I had a healthy routine. Um, so it was during that healthy routine period where I was just sitting outside journaling, meditating, chilling. And I've told this story and I'll just briefly tell it again, but like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, like this idea to teach about mindset manifestation. I was like, Whoa, what have I been doing? Like I, it's almost like I just thought I was making up this fake title. And I'm like, no, I literally have had people on the podcast that do this. I follow women that do this. I know people that do this for a living. And I just didn't know what it was called. And I was like, oh, I guess it's mindset coaching. I guess it's manifestation coaching. Like, let me look more into it. And this is where resourcefulness comes in. I started Googling the fuck out of everything. I started listening to every podcast I could. I started looking up any mindset coach, everything. Did you need training? Did you need certifications? How do you make money? How do you get clients? Like, how do you even teach this stuff? What formats can you teach it in? I mean, when I had downtime, this is what I was doing. And I'm sure any entrepreneur and new business owner can relate to this but you become so enthralled in what you want to do that like you lose track of the time and day. I was, I, I swear, like I would nanny and then right after the kids would go to bed, whip open my laptop and start Googling things. Or I'd be on a walk with them and at the playground, I would be like playing a podcast from someone that was uh, doing what I was doing and like how they started. Or I they would be watching TV and I would literally have my laptop open trying to download another ebook of like how to launch a course. Like I was looking up everything. And then I started noticing the power of actually investing in courses and coaches. 
And so the more I looked into it, like people had a course on how to launch a course or people had a course on how to start a membership. And I was like, oh, this is actually really nice. Like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So I started using those resources and I was getting a lot of value from it. I was like, oh, this is helpful. Of course, I don't know how the fuck to start a membership. I don't know how to enroll members and take payments and set up payment plans. I don't know any of that. So I was like, I need to ask people who have been there before. I'm going to ask people that have the directions that have been in the destination. So I quickly, I mean, this sounds like it all took a long time, but I'm like, this all happened when I was in the broom in Australia, which was the town I was in between like April. April was when I started teaching yoga. May is when I was like heavy on the yoga app idea where I was like, bye, yoga is my life. This is what I'm doing. And then June is when I started feeling like, mm, I don't know if I want to do this. I need to transition just to give you like timeline stuff. Now, remember, again, there was another nanny. So I had so much time off. So on my days off, I was like, sorry, I can't like play and go to the beach. Like I acted like I was in grad school. I would stay in my room or, you know, take my notebook outside and just be like studying. Like, how do you set up structures and systems and how do you hire people and all these things that I don't even think I needed to know all of that, but it just felt like I did. I was like, I don't want to mess it up. I kind of have overachiever tendencies and perfectionism tendencies and I am learning and I can tell you guys this from experience. You have to just launch and adjust and figure it out. Like you will figure it out when you're meant to figure it out. People will be around to help you and tell you like, wait, no, yeah, you should have set that up or figure that out now. So when I was making money, this was all going into like my American checking account and then I was like, okay, I need to file an LLC because I don't know, like, again, maybe I was naive or maybe I was a little like in entrepreneurship arrogance where I was like, I'm going to make so much money from yoga. Like I'm definitely going to qualify to like, I don't know, jump a tax bracket. I need to file an LLC. So I don't know if I filed my paperwork too early. I just remember my friend that's a lawyer was like, I don't know, you're making money from it and you have clients. So I would file an LLC. So that's what I did. And again, I'm based, my company is based in Florida. I'm in Germany now, but my company is there. So that's just background for like when people get caught up in like, when should I file my paperwork and do all these things is like ask professionals. And that's what I mean. I asked my dad who was self-employed. I asked all my friends in Florida, anybody that I followed that I had on the podcast or that was a coach, I straight up DM them or voice noted them. And I was like, do you have an LLC? When did you file? How did you file? How does this work? Like, I used every single resource and exhausted every relationship I had to figure that shit out. So have this idea, mindset manifestation coaching, taking all these master classes and courses and workshops, watching YouTube, listening to podcasts. And then finally, the course that I wanted to create just started taking shape. And I was like, this is actually so easy for me to create, which shows how in alignment I am. And I know now with 100% certainty, when you are embodied in something, you should teach it and you will monetize from it. I was so embodied in what I was teaching was mindset manifestation. Like I had the exact steps, the mindset to, to back it up, the results, the transformation. And so I was like, okay, this course is really easy to formulate. Now it's just putting it together. And then that's when I told you all, I took a course on creating a course. So I actually had the steps and everything on how to put it together. And then I started um, thinking of like a masterclass to do to enroll people in the course. This is again, all advice from the business course I was in. And 
So I launched my masterclass and it was $77 and I had 10 people sign up. So I made like $700. You guys have to remember, again, I was making $0 before that and I was charging $15 for Zoom yoga. So to make $77 for a 90-minute class, once again, I had thought like I was the lotto millionaire. I was like, I cannot believe I just made $700 from a masterclass. Like, I am going to be so rich. I am basically Jeff Bezos, like get out of town. I am like, this is the most money I've ever generated. And again, it helps you build confidence when you can generate income yourself. You start to notice like, wow, what I'm saying is important. And I felt that way. I told you when I was making just $15 from a class where the first class, I think I made like $45. Like I thought that was a big deal. So when I made $700, it felt like a big deal. So that's what I like to tell people is like, you need to be happy for the $15 so that when the 700 or the 7,000 or the 7 million comes in, you're like, I, I knew it was going to come. I've been grateful the whole time. So this happens. I make the, all that money from the masterclass and then people start enrolling in my course. And my course, my first course was like $497 or something. I just, again, I'm like using pricing that I've heard from other people, I got that price from the coach that was teaching the course on launching a course. She said, that's a great price for a beta course. And one person signed up in July and I was like, my goal was literally like three people. I was like, I'll get three people to sign up and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to work with these three people. Then all of a sudden, like two more women signed up and I was like, oh, well, that was cool. I have three people. And then at this point, I think I was like in the process of about to move to Germany or like discussing moving to Germany with my boyfriend. And so I was like, wait, I'm going to push it back a week while I figure all this flight stuff out. Um, and then I'll just enroll more people. A week before my course launched, I had 12 women sign up in one night and all send me money paying in full. Okay. I want you to imagine you were making $15 from a Zoom yoga class like three months before that. And now you have 12 people paying you $500 on the spot, no questions asked, happy to pay you, no pushback. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like, I don't know how this happened. This is scary. I almost had some anxiety attacks, to be honest, because I was like, am I like prepared to handle this many people? Like, what if they think my course sucks? Am I going to have to refund them? Is this like, holy shit, could I get in trouble if they don't like it? Like, oh, I mean, of course, like everybody I'm sure goes through this where I was freaking out. And also the time zone differences were really weird with Australia. So I would be like frantically checking in uh, my phone in the middle of the night to see if people signed up and what was happening. And this is where, again, having a support system is healthy and having like a morning routine or something to keep you grounded because I was getting so anxious and frantic about it that I was like, I need to go on beach walks and talk to friends and talk to people that have done this before of like, okay, whoa, like this is actually really happening. Like people are buying what I'm selling. People are loving what I'm putting out there. And then by the time the course started, I think I had 20 women enroll. My goal was three. <laughs> Like I thought I was going to be hitting the jackpot if I hit three women and I had 20 women sign up. So that course was my first one. And again, you live and you learn. Like I, the course was amazing. 
And I know at the same time, I think I overwhelmed them with a lot of information because I was so excited. I was like, ah, I just need to put everything I've ever learned in this six week course. And it's like, okay, think about if you went to college, like you don't learn everything you need to know in college in six weeks. And that's kind of what I was doing. Like all my years of studying mindset and energy and manifestation and the subconscious mind, I was like shoving it into this course. And it was an amazing course. The women that are in it were in it are like still friends. We all still talk. It was awesome. And I was like, okay, I need to refine that a little bit. So that whole concept of launch and adjust is like, that's exactly what I did. I launched and then I learned, okay, I need to adjust it. From there, you just start to listen. Like you really need to listen of what people want. Like I kept hearing over and over again, people were obsessed with the how or self-doubt or overcoming uncertainty. So I was like, okay, I need to pay attention to that. That's something I should start covering in my courses and my master classes. Now, going back to the whole concept of one-on-one as well, remember when I told you with yoga classes, I was making more money from teaching privately than teaching a ton of people for $15. Like I basically could work less and make more money and work with less people. I liked that concept because I liked having space in my day. I was like, I don't want to be doing like 15 yoga classes a week to generate like $500. I'd rather work with two clients twice a week that can generate $500. And so I quickly learned that's how you build financial stability first. Again, there might be a ton of different opinions on this, but I'm working with a business coach now who agrees is after one of my mini courses that I did, it was called Magnetic Manifestation 101, which is actually still on sale on my website. Um, That was a really fun course. It was a three-day one. And I just kept hearing the same things over and over again. And I offered all these people one-on-one calls after just to integrate what they had learned in the course. And then I realized, wait, this is my opportunity for them to work with me one-on-one. Now, one-on-one from in the coaching industry is like thousands of dollars. I was terrified to charge that. I was like, I'm not charging thousands of dollars. That's insane. You know, the most money anyone's ever paid me so far is like $500 for this course. So my very first client, I think I charged her like $1,000 for 12 sessions for three months. Now, if you are in the coaching industry or business industry or anything, you would know that's really, really cheap. Um, And I quickly learned that because the amount of support I was providing was a lot. I mean, I was doing 12 90-minute calls. We were doing voice notes in between them. I was recording guided meditations for her. And everyone goes through this, right? Like you want to impress your big clients and go big. So I went above and beyond. And like I said, I've always had overachiever tendencies. So it was in my nature to be like, I'm going to over-deliver on this and just like go balls to the wall with this one-on-one client and hopefully get a great testimonial out of it. We did amazing work, by the way. Like she now has her own business. She is actually launching her own course right now. She is fucking thriving. And she was actually the person that I realized like, okay, I know what I'm doing and I can actually really help people and people will pay me for my skills. And I, again, I already thought the same thing with yoga, but this was different because it was the first time I was doing like mindset manifestation coaching, not teaching yoga. So because of her feedback and her work and her transformation, I was like, okay, wow, I actually like know what I'm doing. So then I had another friend come to me and she's like, oh, I think I want to start a business and I don't know what to do. I would love your help. And you have to remember too, I I do have the background from corporate America of influencer and content marketing. So marketing comes really easy to me. And I have the whole digital media background and broadcast journalism background. 
Plus, I had been studying like self-development and mindset stuff for so long that when this friend came to me, I was like, of course I can help you. And then I offered like a friends and family discount because we went to college together. And I think I charged her like $300 for four sessions or something like that. And again, I quickly learned after that whole month together, I was like, that's just not a lot of money for what I'm doing. Like, I can't support myself on $300, right? Like, I can't pay my rent and groceries and pay for Zoom and Canva and all these other payment, all these softwares I was using that weren't even that expensive, but like they add up. I can't do that for $300 for the amount of output that I'm doing. So I quickly learned after those two clients, I need to be charging more for my one-on-one with the level of support I'm providing, but it was still scary, right? I was like, who the fuck is going to pay me all that money? Like, who am I? I need to be, you know, years into this. Like, I need to prove myself more. And this is part of the entrepreneur mindset that like you probably will go through. I don't know anybody that's just thought like positive thoughts all the way through, I did have self-doubt. I did have insecurities. I did question my value and my worth and if I was doing enough and doing it right. And at this point too, from the money that I made from that course, I started investing in like bigger programs and bigger coaches. So I started small of my investments. Like I was paying like $25 for a workshop on how to launch a membership, $30 for, you know, how to build your Instagram following, like little baby workshops. And then I was working my way up. Like okay, let me pay $97 for this masterclass. Okay, let me pay like $900 to take this course. And then once I made all that money from the course, I like reinvested that back into hiring bigger coaches and and taking bigger courses. But then I got in this mentality of like over-investing where I was like, okay, I need to take a mindset coaching course. I need to take a this course, that course. And at one point I was enrolled in like five courses and like two memberships. I do not recommend that. I was so overwhelmed. It was like being full-time in school. I had no idea like how everything was working together. I was burnt out. The time zone differences were crazy. So I was going to bed at like, there was one course that I was doing that was from, that was two in the morning because of the time zone. And I would stay up every week and watch it from two to three 30 in the morning. Um, like I said, I think you become an entrepreneur and you become hell bent on like making whatever you need to do happen. So like sleep didn't matter to me. Like I didn't have a routine. I was like, I just need to learn, 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 learn and apply this. And yeah, I like way over invested, not only my time, but my money and energy highly would not recommend that, but it did teach me like, okay, when you do invest in these bigger courses, you need to leave time to integrate. And that's a great lesson. I think that I took away from that. So I, I had like a bunch of mini courses. I did magnetic manifestation 101. I did a masterclass. I did that one course, chaos, the confidence. And then from there, when I was offering these one-on-one bonus calls at the end, people would tell me like, I want to work with you one-on-one. Like, do you offer that? And I, I had done those two clients before the ones that were like, you know, $300 and $400 and a thousand dollars. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pitch my higher pricing and see what happens. And my very first client that was like higher ticket is what they call it in the coaching industry was $3,000 for 12 sessions, unlimited voice note support and access to all my courses. And, um, there was even bonuses, I think for paying in full and guys, this was all trial and error. Okay. So when I first pitched it, I literally was just pitching it on a zoom call without screen sharing anything. Then my boyfriend one time was listening in and he's like, I think you need to create some type of presentation that people can see because that's a lot of information. So then I was like, you're right. 
And then I created tiers of packages where I was like, okay, maybe someone can work with me for 3000 someone can work with me for 2000 some can work with me just one time. So I created all these options and I would share that on the screen. Like, here's all the ways we can work together. And it was literally like five ways. And then I noticed that was overwhelming too, where people were like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> there's like 20 different price points. You're doing courses and masterclasses or workshop. Like, what's going on? And then I had two clients actually sign up to work with me one-on-one -on -one at the higher ticket price. They both paid me in full. And this is where I started to realize that my relationship with money really needed to be examined because I was making money and it I felt like an imposter. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know how to manage this money. And I kind of froze. I, I stopped really doing master classes or workshops after that or courses. I was like, I'm just going to focus on these one-on-one -on -one clients. And I felt pretty lost because I also felt that I learned a lot of kind of harmful business practices in one of the courses that I took of like scaring people into thinking, you know, there's only one spot left and uh, pushing people to sign on the phone and like collecting credit card deposits on the phone. I was like, ew, that does not feel good at all. And I did a few of those things with that first course. And so when I started enrolling those one-on-one -on -one clients, I was like, I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't want to be a shady car salesman coach that people are like scared to hear from. And that happens to me all the time. I check my DMs. I'm like, oh no, I can already tell this person is trying to like sneak their way in my DMs and work with me. And I just don't want that to happen. So I kind of froze from October, November, December. And I was like, I'm going to take this time to like hone in on my craft. What do I want to do? Who do I want to help? What ways do I want to help them? How much money do I want to make? What am I actually teaching? Like, what are the steps? What's the process? And that's what I did from literally October, November, and December was like figuring my shit out because I was just doing the course thing. And after the course, I was like, I actually really like one-on-one. -on -one. And so I was like, I need to figure that out. And I had told my boyfriend, I think my next big investment is going to be a one-on-one -on -one coach. Because remember, I just told you I had spent all this money on group programs and they were great. But I also found out with group programs, I wasn't getting the one-on-one -on -one attention I needed. Like I wanted someone to look at my life, my personality, my energy, my business and say, Chelsea, okay, well, let's tweak this. That's a good idea. Let's do this. And I told him that, but I knew from now being in the coaching industry that one-on-ones were not necessarily cheap. Like, yes, you can book one-off calls with people, but from my understanding in the coaching industry, like the minimum I would be paying someone is $3,000. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to save up a little bit and I'm going to hire a coach like in summer of 2021. And I guess for the rest of the time being, I'll run like courses and masterclasses, whatever. So then I'm online and my friend shares this coach with me who I was like, whoa, who is this girl? She's awesome. Like she is a badass. She's doing TikTok dances. She's doing like improv skits on her thing. I had never seen this, by the way. If you're in the coaching industry, you're probably laughing because you can relate. So many people just post like cute little Canva graphics and ways to work with them and IGTVs of mini training. And this coach was like, I don't know. I, she was just such a, she was very against the grain. She had tattoos. She was like calling business coaches out and she was talking about the practices that I told you about of like getting credit card deposits on the phone and scaring people into thinking there's two spots left and da da da. And I was like, wait, this is literally what I was talking about. And I started consuming her content 
And she was like, this is the last time I'm enrolling one-on-one clients. Like for real, I'm not doing the whole scarcity thing. Like I've been doing my business for nine years and this is the last time I'm going to be working one-on-one with people. And so my plan was to wait till summer, but I really loved her. And I mean, I was like stalking her. I was watching all her IGTVs, all her TikToks, all her stories and everything she was saying. I was like, yes, she is. This is exactly what I need to know. So even though my plan was to wait until summer, I was like, you know what? I really could use the guidance and help right now because this is a period where I felt lost and like I didn't have a business plan or a structure or like I didn't know. I just felt lost. And so I hired her and now we've been working together since January and it's been amazing. I have like structure. We have voice note access with each other. She's helping me with my ideas and she's really grounded in human first business, meaning like I don't need to act like a robot and do all these things that I don't want to do online. And, you know, I don't need to have 20 different channels. And it was very validating because I feel like I was taught that I did need all those things. And she's teaching me a new way of doing business. And by the way, her name is Rachel Turner. But she also really validated that like I do know what I'm doing. And the more I invested in courses and mentors too, I was like, I do know what I'm doing. Like, why am I questioning myself? Everything they're teaching is like something I've taught or thought about. They're just doing it. They took the steps to turn it into a course format. They took the steps to like get help. They took the steps to collect payment. So I can't sit here and be bitter about it. Like they're the ones that are actually taking action. So that is like how I got to where I am today. And now I'm currently enrolling one-on-one clients. The two clients that I actually signed back in October renewed with me. And I realized my capacity because I do so much of my clients. I'm talking like voice notes daily, guided meditations. We're talking all the time. I was like, I can only take on six clients at a time, which is why I'm only doing that right now. So I do have three spots left if you're interested. But I wanted to talk a little bit too about the the importance of delegating and like the softwares I use and the resources. So if you want to tune in for like 10 more minutes, I'm going to get into that. But yeah, that's like my entrepreneurial journey was a lot of fucking trial and error, a lot of questions, a lot of asking, a lot of Googling, a lot of YouTubing. I mean, if you guys only knew how many downloads I had on my computer from coaches, like going to websites that were just like 10 ways to launch your course and five ways to get clients. Like I have a hundred of those on my computer just from that time period. And you just have to figure out what works. Like I'm still figuring it out, but I noticed I liked one-on-one. So I'm going to keep doing that. And then eventually maybe I'll launch a digital product or an ebook or something. But like right now, one-on-one feels good. So that's what I'm focusing on. Now, in terms of like softwares, I was telling you about Calendly. I think that's an amazing resource to schedule things, especially if you're someone that does like discovery calls or sales calls or wants to connect with someone one-on-one, just send them the link and they can book with you. And again, you can decide if you want payment or not to be collected. I love that. Obviously, Zoom, I don't even need to say that. Like everybody's using Zoom no matter what. Um, I love Canva. I do all my graphics on there, my presentations for my courses, everything, audiograms for my podcast, everything I do on Canva, big, big fan of it. Even if you're not a graphic designer, they have templates and you can easily figure it out. What other softwares do I use? Zencaster for my podcast. Um, I was using Kajabi to host my courses. It's very expensive if you're just starting out. It's, it's easy to use. I will say that, but I just like couldn't justify that expense every month. So I recently switched to Thinkific. So I'll let you guys know how I like it. 
Um, Kajabi is like a, an all-in-one platform though. You can do like emails and host courses and memberships. So I think that is why it's so expensive. It does everything. I know Mighty Networks is also popular. Um, for scheduling social media, I only do that with my podcast and I use Planoly, but I know a lot of people are fans of Later. I use, let's see what else, Google Forms to do one-on-one check-ins. I am very much a notebook and pen type of girl, so I don't really have project management software. If you guys have heard this podcast, you can tell I am very all over the place. I have very visionary energy. So like doing very structured analytical processes and workflows, like my brain does not compute. So I do not really use those things. Um, I use Slack. I love, love, love Slack. That's how I communicate with like my editor and my virtual assistant. Love Slack. And yeah, I'm trying to think of any other softwares. If I do, I will let you know. But I do also want to talk quickly about delegating. When I launched my course, there was a lot of backend stuff that I realized I was not good at. And I think it's important to know that like when you're an entrepreneur, you really are doing everything. Like I was not only the person that was teaching the course, but I had to upload the course. I had to create the graphics for the course. I had to work on payment for the course. I had to work on creating emails for the course. I had to work on, you know, when people checked out and they got a thank you email, I had to write that. Like you're doing everything and I quickly learned I cannot do it all. Like there's just no way I cannot be the finance person and the marketing manager and the face of the brand and the graphic designer. No. So I knew, let me just hire a graphic designer. So I used the same girl that I used to actually help my podcast brand. Shout out to Brooke Gorin. And she did all my personal branding. And then what else? Did, oh, a virtual assistant. I want to talk about this because I noticed everybody that seemed successful had a virtual assistant. And going back to assumptions, I was making a lot of assumptions. I was like, okay, all these people must be getting paid like 500 bucks a month. And then I was hearing from people and they're like, most virtual assistants end up working on hourly basis. So you can pay them like 20 to 25 bucks an hour and you pick how many hours. So I was like, wait, what? So my first virtual assistant, again, I found through my network, like I just asked one of the coaches from the courses I was in her virtual assistant. I was like, do you have any recommendations? She said, yes. I talked to this one lady. She seemed like a good fit. I started out with five hours and I was like, what the fuck is five hours going to do? Like, this is not going to be helpful at all. And it was $125, like 25 bucks an hour. I was blown away at how much those five hours freed up. So all that little shit that was taking me forever, like setting up the payment plans and the the email processor and the payment process, like all these little minuscule tasks that my brain does not like doing, I would just send to her and she'd be like, boop, boop, boop. Okay, I'm done. What do you need me to do next? And I was like, oh, okay. Um, Can you update that link on my website? Boop, done. Oh, um, okay. Can you create a membership uh, like sheet with all the people that are in my course? Boop, done. I was like, oh my God, like now I get it. I get why people hire help and outsource. Yes, you do have to train people, but if you're paying someone to help you, like their job is to make your job easier. So I think that was actually something I did really well in the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey was delegate. And I know that's why I had such a successful course launch because she was doing all the little shit that I didn't want to do so I could focus on what I was good at, which was the podcast, which was going live on Instagram, sharing stories, sharing IGTVs. Like I needed to focus on that. I couldn't get myself bogged down for five hours trying to upload and download and sync things, which she was good at. 
So it freed up all this time. And honestly, I always say this, it's like buying back your sanity. Even if I didn't know how to do that, which by the way, I do. Like, again, I come from corporate America. We had to use all these softwares and project management tools and everything, like literally like 12 of them. I know how to do that stuff, but just because I know how to do it doesn't mean I should. So I was like, I'm not going to sit here and waste five hours a day doing this when she could just do it. And I'm buying not only my sanity back, but my time. And it's generating more income because I'm able to go live more, connect with more people, have more conversations and bring more money in. So delegating was so important. If you need help finding a VA, ask your network. Like if there's anything I can, you could take away from this podcast is like use your network. Post on your Instagram story. Does anybody have a virtual assistant? Post online. Hey, I'm looking for virtual assistants. Ask entrepreneurial friends. Ask myself. If you don't know, ask me, right? Like I have a virtual assistant. I can help you. I know people that are in networks of virtual assistants and it's all referrals. So don't be afraid to use your network because it's so, so helpful. And delegating has saved my life. Like now I delegate my podcasts, editing and like audiograms. I delegate all these like analytical tasks that I don't want to do. And it's so I can focus on things like this, like recording the podcast. Now there's two final things I want to cover super quick. And it I've talked about it a lot, but being resourceful. If I let my circumstance get in the way of what I was doing, I would have stopped as soon as I started. For example, I was nannying, like little kids were around. They, you probably might've heard them like laughing in some of the back of my yoga videos or their iPads going off. And I was like, you know what? Like that's going to happen. It's life. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm just going to have to film or record. There were, I remember doing a guided meditation and there was like dishes being done in the back and all you can hear is forks clinking and like the, the wash going off. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't know when else I can do this. I'm just going to have to leave it. Or I would have to do it when the kids went to sleep. Um, my first masterclass I did in that house that I was nannying at, I used my nightstand as a desk. I piled on books on top of each other and put my laptop on it to like prop it up. I had bought a ring light on Amazon and what else? I literally pulled a chair out from like the patio and brought it in the room. And that's how I did my first masterclass. <laughs> So it's like, you really have to get resourceful. Same thing with yoga. I like use their patio and I cleared the patio and try to make it look nice. And I would teach my classes outside, even in my own bedroom, they had like fun little decorations. So I put them on the wall and try to make it look like somewhat like a studio. I mean, I got really resourceful. And then there was a time where I was even living in a hostel for a month while all this was going on. I did my very first video for my course on the top bunk of a bunk bed in a hostel for my master or for the first video. I asked my roommates to leave for an hour. I said I have to do work. Um, I've taken calls in hostel hallways, like next to the elevator where it was more quiet. I've taken calls outside in rocking chairs in front of hostels. I mean, I had to get resourceful. I remember even doing an interview one time and I was like, my bed was so dark that I just sat at the edge of it on the ground and like tried to use my sheets as the background. Like, this is what I'm talking about. You have to get resourceful. I also asked one time if I could just use an empty room to do a masterclass. I talked to the front desk management. I was like, hey, can I just borrow this free room? Because it's the only quiet place in this entire hostel that's going to have Wi Fi. And they're like, sure we don't have check-in till one. You can use it from like nine to 10. So I had to figure out, okay, that's when I can use the class. So that's how I have to market the time. Um, I had to teach yoga and I had to find a quiet spot in the hostel. I was like 
doing it in the middle of these two hallways between the kitchen and the main area. I interviewed Gabby Bernstein in the lobby of my hostel. Uh, what else? I'm, I'm like go, racking my brain. I'm like, there are so many things I've had to do. But in order, like, that's what gave me the confidence to realize, like, it doesn't matter if I'm in a hostel or flying or in the middle of something. Like, I can figure out a place. If I have Wi-Fi and, like, a good connection, I can do my job. I've done master classes in my boyfriend's parents' basement. I've done podcasts literally in courtyards of hostels. Like, there are so many things that I know if you look for an excuse, you'll find one. So you have to, like, and I'm not saying this to be harsh, but it's true. Like you have to make it a point to not make excuses. You have to ask yourself, is this really impossible or am I just finding an excuse? Like, for example, with the master class and living in the hostel, I was like, where the, like, I can't do this. It's too loud. It's too crazy. I was like, okay, well, let's do the math here. It's actually not loud in the morning because no one's up. It's not always filled to capacity. I could just ask the front desk and the worst answer is just no. And I'll figure out another option, which is what happened at times. Like the one time I had to record it in my room, you, you use your resources in your network. Like I've asked my friends and family and people to help out. Like there's been workshops that I've done in my Facebook group where the only people that are on them were like my mom and sister. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Someone's going to come back to this Facebook group and watch this video and hopefully find value. And you never know who's watching your stuff. You guys would be so shocked at how many people are listening and watching, but never reach out to you. There are people that I'm now working with one-on-one -on -one that I had no idea even like knew who I was. They're like, oh, I've listened to your podcast for six months. I followed you on Instagram. I wanted to finally reach out. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, thank God I didn't stop because then they would have never, I would have never heard from them. And I want you, if you're an entrepreneur, to think of that with even your own investments. When have you ever, like, from the first time you heard someone bought something? Rarely ever. Like, you usually want to follow them, see what they're talking about, try and check out their content, stalk them a little bit. So imagine if you're an entrepreneur and you put out, like, two posts, you've done no videos, you never post stories, and you're like, why is my course not selling out? It's like, when have you bought like that? I've never done that. Like I usually stalk people. I listen to like five other podcast episodes. I watch their stories for two weeks. I like literally go back at all their content. And then I'm like, okay, I'll buy. You have to think the same thing about yourself. You can't just do like a few posts and think that you're going to sell out. It really is about consistency and chipping away. So yeah, that was a major, major learning lesson was like, I had so many clients out of nowhere just pop up. I mean, those 12 women that signed up the night before the, not the night, the week before the course, I was like, holy shit, I can't even believe these, like, I didn't even know these women still followed me. Like some of them were college friends. Some of them were old coworkers. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I did not think that an old coworker would buy from me or that my friend from college would pay me this amount of money. And yeah, you go through kind of a mind fuck where you're like, wait, I was partying with this person, you know, at sorority parties <laughs> like 10 years ago, and now I'm their mindset coach. Yeah, there's a lot to work through. And I have my own business coach. Like I said, I have a therapist. I talk to so many people about this. I've done mastermind groups. I'm in courses. I journal. There's stuff that comes up, but I'm not willing to not work through it. Like I'm willing to do that work. And I think the biggest takeaway, and this is probably what I'll end on is like my vision was bigger than my doubt and my insecurities and my ego. I saw after that first, not even first course, the first yoga class, even getting three messages from people being like, 
that totally changed my day. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this class. That's all I needed to keep going. Like I don't need 10 people to tell me that they felt some type of transformation. I just need one or two. And usually it's just one. Like I said, I'm also pretty fearless and like a big risk taker. And that's served me well because I just move on to the next thing. I also don't look at any of this as wasted money or time because I'm like, if I, if I did not do those things, I would never be where I am. So when people are like, oh my God, well, what did you do with the videos that that person edited? And like, didn't you pay for a website and all these things? I'm like, yes. And thank God I did so I could figure out what I didn't want to do. And now I'm making way more money than I ever would if I just stayed in something that I was like half-assed doing just to save money or just because I had decided at one point in my life, that's what I wanted to do. So, and those things like I can always go back to, right? If I change my mind, I can go back to it. Just because I stopped teaching yoga doesn't mean I'll never teach yoga again. Who knows? Maybe I'll take on one or two private clients in the summer. I can go on a yoga retreat if I want to and ask to guest teach. Like I can use those skills and I just think of it as a skill I have in my toolbox. It doesn't mean I need to throw it away. Same thing with my background in corporate America. People are like, oh my God, you worked in influencer and content marketing for six years, making so much money. And then you just moved abroad. Like isn't it weird to just throw all those skills away? I'm like, no, if anything, I use that even more now. Are you kidding? I use like the same software as I use in corporate America. I, I was a salesperson. I know how to like send proposals and follow up and schedule with clients. Like all those skills served me so well that I'm using them today. So you have to think of like your degree and your skill set and your workplace. Yeah. They might not be directly correlated. Like, yeah, I'm not doing influencer marketing, but all those skills translate exactly to what I'm doing now. Yoga might not be what I'm doing, but I learned how to book yoga clients and pitch them and, you know, get them signed up and signed a contract. So yeah, I can do the same thing for my mindset coaching clients. So you'll never, I always just think of like whatever level you were at, you can never go back under that level, right? Like if, let's say all this just didn't work out and I was like, fuck coaching, I'm done with it. It's not making sense. I'm not making money. It just is not going to work for me. You know what I could do? I could go right back to doing what I was doing in corporate America. I could do social media. I could do graphic design. Like I can use any of the skills I've had. I'm never just going to like not be able to work again. So I think that's really important as an entrepreneur. Look at what skills you have because if things don't work out, you can go right back to what you were doing or you can further monetize those skills. So now I'm thinking, well, wait, I do podcasting. Could I help new podcasters and, and start a mentorship or a course? wait, people really liked those guided meditations. Maybe I could do a pack of guided meditations or do one-on-one -on -one guided meditations or make a meditation app, right? I'm not just like throwing those skills away. And I really want to go back to like the vision thing. My vision of just seeing those women transform during either the course or yoga or one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's all I needed. It was like, say no more, this is what I'm meant to be doing. So all the days that I'm like, oh my God, this sucks. I don't want to be like, you know, whatever, emailing this person and catching up with this person, trying to track down a payment or doing whatever, or I don't want to send a recap. It's taking so long is like, that's the stuff that I'm like, okay, maybe I can outsource this or delegate. And if I don't have the money, that's part of the journey. Like that's part of it. I'm going to learn how to do this. And I, I cannot name one entrepreneur that hasn't had to do all this themselves at one point. Every entrepreneur will tell you like, yeah, you're kind of everything at once and then you just grow and you figure it out and you outsource and you delegate and you figure out what you're good at and you hire a team. And there's there's very successful people I know that only have like one person on their team and it's just their virtual assistant and they're making like six figures a month. 
That's how much money coaches are making in some areas. So I was like, wait, what? I also had this whole concept of like, if I'm an entrepreneur, I'm going to have to hire a, you know, full-time team of five and have, have them on payroll and pay them benefits. I'm like, no, a virtual assistant can be a freelancer that you just literally Venmo or PayPal and they work for you. And I think once you get into this world, you start to realize how many assumptions you make then they're all false. You're like, oh, wow, like everybody's winging it. Everybody has small teams. Everybody has freelancers. Everybody is is just trying to do the best they can with the resources they have. But there is one common thread is that everybody has a vision that's bigger than themselves. So the days where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sleep in. I want to watch Netflix. Yeah, I'll honor those days. And I'm also like, you know what? People need my message. People want to hear this podcast. People want me to post on Instagram. I need to show up because I can shine the light for them. I was someone that just nine months ago had no money, literally, like I was desperate. I was like, can someone help me pay for groceries? I was nannying. I was 29 years old. I was doing all this after making a ton of money in corporate America. So of course my ego was like not thrilled with having a nanny. And by the way, at some point clean houses and do all these odd jobs that I didn't want to do to make money. And I had to do all these different things while being abroad in the middle of a global pandemic. Like that's what I mean when my vision just got so much bigger. I was like, this, that stuff just doesn't matter. It will start to fade away and you'll just start to appreciate it. Like, wow, I'm so happy that my drive got me out of that situation because I could have just left that whole pandemic and been like, all right, I'll just chill here and like, you know, watch Netflix for five months and just like see what happens. But I was like, no, Chelsea, this is what you asked for. You asked for downtime, you asked for no bills, and you asked for alone time and like space. This is what you have. You have no excuse not to start it. Now, the one thing I also want to touch on before we sign off here is money. Yes, I was generating money to pay for certain things like softwares and freelancers, but there was a period where I was investing a lot of money into that. Again, this kind of comes with like entrepreneur risk taker personality is like, I don't want to wait a year to save $10,000. Like I want to work with this person now. I want to invest in that person now or whatever the case is. And so I have credit card debt. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, you need to know that unless you have a shit ton of money saved up, you likely will have credit card debt. I have not met one single entrepreneur that doesn't have debt. And if they do, they're either international, so they don't use credit cards, or they had like they were saved a ton of money when they were younger, um, or their parents helped them fund it. I know a lot of people that they're you know once they go into entrepreneurship, they'll kind of get like a loan from their parents. That's all possible. For me, I had a, a high credit card limit, and I was like, okay, I need to put this course on a credit card. I need to put this coach on a credit card. And by the way. I want to be super clear. I am not encouraging that at all. Like if you have the cash money, please use cash. Please save up. I even if I work with clients that are like, I'm ready to quit my job tomorrow and jump right into starting my business. I ask them, I'm like, have you saved money? Like, do you have an exit plan? Because I don't like the idea of just like going at it with no savings, no money or anything. But when people ask me, I like to be transparent. Like I did not have money from my parents. I did not save a shit ton of money. I didn't like manage my money that well in the beginning. And now I have like an amazing money management system and I'm able to do all the things I want to do. But before it wasn't like that. So I just think it's really important to be honest about that of like where I was in my situation, 
the money I had access to and what I didn't have access to, where I was, who I was with, because that's the other thing, right? I had the luxury of time. I didn't have to do anything. I had four days off. A lot of people are trying to start businesses, but they have like families and kids and they're homeschooling and all these things. And I'm like, it, you cannot compare yourself to my situation because I literally had like four days off a week. I wasn't doing anything. And then when I was watching the babies, it's like, yeah, sometimes they would nap. Sometimes they would go on the couch so I could work. So I'm like, unless you have this same exact story as me, you cannot be comparing and you cannot beat yourself up. And I think that's the note I want to end on is like, do not compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 10. I cannot tell you how many times I did that, especially when I was looking in the coaching industry and, you know, following people for inspiration. I got heavy into the comparison game of like, holy shit, why am I not making all this money? I need to be launching a membership, a course, a one-on-one digital products, a physical product. Like, I mean, I was going crazy. And then I was like, what am I doing? This person's been in business for like four years. They have figured all this out. They have like a signature course. This other person's been in business for six years. Like, why am I comparing? I still, by the way, my business is not a year old. Why am I comparing my infant business to someone's like toddler, teenager, or adult business? You cannot compare. And you also should know how quickly you can jump, right? I think a lot of people listen to this podcast and, and can be inspired by the short amount of time that I've been able to do things, but also know like it takes patience. When I told you guys that I made all that money for my first course, I was not energetically prepared for that. I was like, holy shit, what am I going to do with this money? And again, I lived and I learned, but I think it's a good practice to like get in the habit of like, if you're ready to, if you're ready to get that leap and like be a successful entrepreneur. Are you ready to have 50 clients? Are you ready to schedule, you know, go back and forth and schedule with someone? Like, do you have payment systems set up? Do you have ways for people to pay you? Are you ready to host a course with 20 people? Do you know how to host a course with 20 people? Do you know how to create a checkout page? Like, these are all things that I had to learn as I go and you will too. But we all want the fame and the success and the money. But then when it comes, it's like, you need to be prepared for it. You need to be prepared to handle high ticket clients and have onboarding processes and have like, you know, I don't know, just infrastructure to be able to, to hold the dreams that you want. And these are all things that I've learned along the way. And like I said, I would say my business like really took off in July and August. So it hasn't even been a year, but so far these are the lessons I've learned. And I think it's, I don't know. I hope it was helpful. (laughs) I feel like I've been rambling now, but just to recap, like you can start your business whenever you want that you need to understand your circumstances, not compare yourself to anybody, understand what you're good at, what you're not good at, consider delegating, consider using the money you make and putting it right back into your business. Look at your skill sets and see what you can monetize and disrupt, right? Create your own path. Like even teaching yoga, I just love using Melissa Wood Health as an example. Like her membership is 10 bucks a month and she does amazing quick workouts and so many people are fans now She's clearly doing financially well and like living her dreams. And I don't know if you've seen, but now she's launching products. Like now she has a little weight ball and ankle weights. And I'm like, wow, she's an example of like just starting something new and different, which at the time, like, I don't think when she started online Pilates was that popular. Then of course it blew up during the pandemic, but it's like that to me, like that's a disruptive thing. I think that's really cool. So just think of like, 
If you want to do podcasting, what ways can you make your podcast different? If you want to be a coach, what ways is your coaching different? Can you come up with a new methodology? Is there a like fun mission that you have? Like, are you giving back to somebody? There's so much to consider and it's fun. Like, and by the way, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. I will say that. Like, I thrive off of this stuff. I'm very resourceful. I'm resilient. I, I think I have a lot of emotional regulation and resiliency, which by the way, has come from all the mindset work I've done and all the therapy I've done and all the coaching and courses I've taken. But this is not for everybody. Like if you want the certainty of a biweekly paycheck and you want to know how many hours you work a week, I recommend staying in structured jobs. But if you are someone that like has a really big vision, plan for it, save money, put it aside, start hiring coaches and courses and mentors and seeing how you can bring that vision to life. And then it will start slowly becoming reality and you will see it's not impossible. You just have to make sure your vision is bigger than your insecurities and your ego because it will drive you, right? Every day doesn't mean that I'm like fired up, but my vision is just too big that I'm like, I just can't let it not happen, right? It's like, it's right in front of me. I just cannot let it go away. I'm not going to let this slip from my hands and that's what motivates me. So yeah, whew, I have been talking quite a lot, huh? So I think I'm going to wrap this up. I hope this was helpful in hearing more about my story, how I started, how I was able to scale and what I've been doing since then. And, you know, the people I've hired, the softwares I've used, the mindset I had and my circumstances. I think that's really important to take away too. And of course, if you have questions, please reach out to me on Instagram at Chelsea Rife or non-expert opinion pod. If you actually want to work together one-on-one, -on -one, I would love to. I really help people with big changes, whether that's trying to launch a business, trying to become an entrepreneur, or they have become an entrepreneur and now they feel stuck, or trying to switch jobs or make a career change, um, moving abroad or just moving somewhere big. I work with a lot of international people that have like moved abroad and now are like realizing how big the change was and having some trouble adjusting or like figuring out their spot and people that are just trying to find that sense of identity and purpose. So those are really the, the most common scenarios I work with. And my coaching works in three phases, which are identify, reprogram, and integrate. So identify, we focus on the self-awareness pieces that you want to expand on. Like what are we working on? Then reprogramming is really all about the subconscious mind. I very am focused on the practical as well as the spiritual. So we use a variety of tools, things like mind mapping, journaling, meditation, breath work, as well as oracle card pools or pendulums or psychic channeling, whatever is coming to me. And then integration. That's the biggest piece. I just told you all, I took like 80 courses in the fall and I feel like I couldn't apply any of it because I just kept myself busy and drowning in work that I couldn't even do what I was learning. So integration is so big for me, but I meet you where you're at. So if you're someone that's like home right now and you have a new baby or you're homeschooling and you're like, I just don't have the time for this. This is not to overwhelm you or add more to your plate. It's actually meeting you where you're at. So if you're like, hey, I can only meet at, I don't know, 7 a.m. on Tuesdays, like, okay, let's work with that. I'll meet you at 7 a.m. on Tuesdays. You let me know how much homework you want, if you even want homework. Do you want to just take the time to reflect that month or do you want, you know, to read a book and have assignments? We can do that. But I work within your capacity and it's really to help you navigate big changes and bring less stress to your life. I am very, very focused on the nervous system. I talk a lot about it in my courses and like stress management. 
and mindfulness. These are all pieces of my coaching. So if you're like, I don't know, coaching is going to be too much of a big time commitment. I feel like my life is going to totally get flipped upside on its head and I'm not ready for it. That's a really common response. And I used to think the same thing. I thought coaching was going to be like grad school. And I was like, oh, it's it's actually like the coach needs to just work with me and my schedule. And I let them know how much I want to take on. Like, do I want a ton of homework? Do I not want a ton of homework? Do I just want someone to listen to me? Do I want someone to tell me what to do? Like, those are two totally different dynamics. And it's up to the client and the coach to figure that out together. So that's what I do is like, we really figure out how to make this work into your life, not add more to your plate. So if you are interested in working together, you can DM me or fill out the application that's both on my website. I'll link it in the show notes and it's in my Instagram bio. And of course, as always, reach out with questions and leave a review if you found this helpful. They are so helpful in helping me understand what you want to hear more of. So also drop me a line about what you want to hear more of, whether that's entrepreneurship, money, relationships. There's so much I'm learning right now. And I love, love, love sharing it. As you guys can tell, I love to talk. (laughs) That's why I have a podcast. So yes, let me know you want to hear of, and I'm going to wrap this up. I cannot wait to hear from anybody that wants to work together. And again, if you're interested in just learning more, just shoot me a DM at Chelsea Rife and we'll go from there. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. 